get into the minds of the most influential and successful creatives on the planet. From EDM record labels, club owners, EDM event producers, music industry lawyers, managers, EDM recording artists, and key industry leaders. They are all part of the story when the DJ takes the stage. They push more than buttons. For everything you need to know about the EDM dance music scene, you need this podcast right now. Welcome to the Mastermind of a DJ podcast, hosted by Naughty Natalia. Welcome back, my podcast homies. It's your host, Natalia, and welcome to the 30th episode of the Mastermind of a DJ podcast, brought to you by the mecca of EDM adult entertainment, Vixen's Cabaret. Well, what a wild ride it's been. I mean, just to get to 30 episodes with a library of interviews with some of the biggest names in, in EDM from DJs, artists, event producers, and key industry leaders. I mean, I have to say, it's a milestone and I'm pretty damn proud of it. I remember the first interview that I did with Armand Pena and when we were done I was freaked the fuck out because I had to figure out how to produce and edit my show. I had an idea of how to use Adobe Audition but at the same time I was clueless. And Adobe Audition is a software, by the way, for those that don't know. All right. Now, I have to thank God for Mike Russell of Music Radio Creative for all of his YouTube tutorials that legitimately saved my ass on more than one occasion. And the best part, this guy has no idea who I am. This is where I could fit in a hashtag YouTube saved my life. (laughs) All right, now let's get on to our 30th guest. He's a veteran of the EDM scene where he has been quietly earning his respect and reputation from around the world, as you will hear. And to give you some history, I met him while we were both working together doing live broadcasts on South Florida's Pure Dance channel, Party 93.1. Now, this is the same channel where Marcus Schultz debuted his global DJ broadcast. George Acosta had his shows. Kato K had his shows. I mean, this was just part of the monstrous roster of incredible talent. And this DJ is one of them. He's had residencies in some of Miami's most infamous dance clubs like Liquid and Shadow Lounge, Club Space, Griffin Nightclub, and more. And when you fast forward to now, he's still killing it. Yeah, his list of performances include EDC, Dare Day Club, and the list will go on. This was quite a reunion for him and I, even though we've worked with each other throughout the years, but we never really had a chance to sit down and break some bread. And I do have to give some love and a special thanks to Johnny Adler and his staff at Rivertail in Fort Lauderdale for accommodating this because it gave us this opportunity to catch up. So let's get into the mind of DJ Edgar. I can't believe it. Like, we just got done having an amazing lunch, sharing some good old times together. And just for you to even drive from Miami, Hialeah, right? Over here to Fort Lauderdale at Rivertail to join me for Easter Sunday with a ferry boat right by us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to give some love <laughs> to the ferry boat and river tail <laughs> where we're at. 
We had such a great lunch, right? Yep, it was amazing. Wow. What were you thinking when you were driving up here? Um, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I, I was just listening to a mix that I had on, really. like Yeah. It was Sunday afternoon, listening to like some chill stuff that I had and nothing crazy. And I don't know. Just expecting to have a good time, as I always do with you. Uh, well, Edgar, Edgar V is who I'm talking to sitting across from. Beautiful soul is all I got to say. You. Someone who has devoted his life and time in dance music and has told a remarkable story of perseverance and and focus. I mean, shit, that's what, what it takes to be in this industry. And so you're homegrown. You, were, you said your family is from Colombia. Yeah. Right. So were, were you born in Colombia as well? No, I was born in New Jersey. I came to Florida. Um, I did kindergarten here. Uh-huh. And then I went back to New Jersey, then came back to Florida, and did uh, uh, middle school through high school here. Really? Yeah. And then been here since. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Wow. Yeah. And were your, was your family always in the Hialeah area? Did you guys ever move yeah, north? Yeah, we've always, we've always been in Hialeah. Yeah? Yeah. Memorable times. Yep. And we were just talking about how Hialeah is like now coming up, like the new Wynwood almost. Hopefully. I mean, that's that's what they're trying to focus on. And uh, I believe to try to get a 24-hour uh, district going on there. Imagine that. Do you think if, if they do get that going, do you think that's really going to work? Do you- I mean, I think so. Uh, it's Where else are you going to party for 24 hours? I mean, yeah. Well. With all the, all the buildings going up around space and stuff, I mean, it's yeah. only a matter of time. So they probably got to move everything. And talking of space, oh my gosh. Okay, so so, uh, obviously in the intro of my show, I've already given our listeners uh, really good insights on you and uh, some history because uh, uh, a lot of people, and granted, it is an honor for me just to be able to sit down and talk to you and and share. And and, uh, we're talking about things that are super important to us in the EDM industry and and, and your contribution, you know, for over over 20 years, you have contributed on so many levels, on so many evolution types of um, experiences here in South Florida, Edgar. Um, when you first got involved with dance music, that introduction, I, I want to kind of start from there because I, the, the goal is to get to know who you are and what drives you. Right. Because, look, you just got done with EDC. You've been you did a whole Miami Music Week uh, events and all of that. I mean, like you are popping up all over the place. But I'm not surprised because you're super fucking talented. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you are, and you no, know, and well deserving because you pay respect to the music and you and you make it about the music, not about you. And I love that because you're so authentic and genuine. So, how old were you when you're like, damn, house music? Oh shit, this is my ish. <laughs> I mean, it didn't really start off with house music. I think I was like 13, and I started listening to mix show DJs. Uh, mm. I would listen to like Hot 105 uh, at that time. They had like Phil Jones, uh, Power 96 with DJ Laz. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I grew up on all that like freestyle and bass music, and that's kind of like where I started. Mm-hmm. And little by little, I just started finding out about house like during that time. And um, I think it was like in high school, it's like when I kind of full on like just started going through house music really and I was still developing actually I was doing like little mobile gigs here and there right right and it didn't start like the club scene for me didn't start till like 95 really yeah and like I was working at a record store 
and um, a good friend of mine, Sammy, had gotten a, a gig at one of the prestigious clubs on South Beach. It was called Le Ban. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. he was kind of like a mentor to me. And uh, he like I was doing the lights there and he was DJing. And then like I would just like study him and like mm-hmm. like how he would mix and the music he would play. And like it was it was amazing. And like like in that time, like South Beach was like at its height. And that's pretty much how I got into house music like at the time. So you're doing the studying of this mentor, and so you became friends with him. Like, oh yeah, we're still friends. I mean, Samuel. Oh, I mean, that's, yeah. that's he's my boy. I mean, uh, we grew up together through music, and we did a couple productions together as well. And yeah, I, I think if it wasn't like for like that experience where I met him and like and I got a foot into South Beach uh, clubs and stuff, I, I I don't know how else I probably would have gotten in. I mean, really? Uh, yeah, it always takes that one person, doesn't it? Right? Yeah. Like that that mentor that gives you that kickstart and that, you know, they believe in you and they're going to give you that that mentorship. And, and you're doing that right now for some DJs of as course, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is all you're paying it forward, uh, you yeah, know, which exactly. is so cool. Do you remember the first piece of vinyl that you bought? Seriously, like really kind of dig deep for wow. a second. <laughs> I think it was a bass record, honestly. It was, <laughs> it, no, it, it was Clay D, I think. It was Boot the Booty. Yeah. I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> I got to find that song so I can play it in the, in the podcast. In I the mean, background. it's a classic. It's a classic Miami bass record. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're playing that. So, what are the BPMs in bass like that? Like The BPMs in bass, I mean, at that time, I think they were like 200. I'm no, <laughs> not 200. That's too fast. <laughs> I, I think they were like 139, maybe. Damn. 40. I don't know. I'd lose my mind. <laughs> Booty music was pretty, it was pretty fast. Yeah, like, right? Yeah. So you, all right, so you I start. Mean, Luke, I mean, the whole Luke stuff too. I yeah. Mean, it's, 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 it was pretty amazing. It was, right? So like even that freestyle vibe, I mean, you have what, uh, Stevie B. Yeah, of course, Stevie uh, B, Coral, uh, Cynthia, Johnny O. Mick Mac Records. Yeah. There's still like a lot of these artists are still performing today in those tribute tours and whatever they're doing. But yeah, I, feel, I mean, I feel it's, it's, it's like, it's like anything full circle. I mean, it's like kind of like when I was DJing, it was like the whole disco era. It was like, mm-hmm. it, it goes to gener- through, through, uh, through generations. And I think like, like the whole freestyle stuff is like all the old school stuff now. So. Right. Yeah. That's so true. So here you are with your buddy and you, you guys are evolving. You're going through high school. You're, you're starting to build your record collection. You were working at the record store. What was well, the name? No, the record store came after high after, school. After yeah, high school. Yes. What was the name of the record store you worked at? Um, the first one that I worked at was Night Beat Records. Night Beat? George Alvarado. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send this to George Alvarado. <laughs> That's right. I got to get him on for Party 93-1 for our reunion. Yeah. Boom. Thank you for saying his name. So, yeah. So, he had the record uh, store. You were working there. What were you doing? Give me give me some insight on a day of, of Edgar V working at the record I don't, store. I would just walk in and just sell records. At, I met a lot of people through there. That's where I met a lot of friends in the industry that I have now. I would sell records. Uh, Armin Pena. I met <gasps> yeah. Oscar G there. Yeah. Ralph Falcon. Um Georgia Costa, yeah, pre-Planet Soul. I mean, wow! I actually got to see the process of Planet Soul, and then from where it went to like where it blew up, and like Fever Express and all that stuff. I mean, wow. it was uh, it was an amazing time. How how awesome! And that's such such a genuine experience. Like in today's day and age, and for our listeners uh, that did not have uh, the chance to ever go even go to a record store and just kind of go through all the vinyl and go through the different sections of vinyl and and explore the music. I mean, there was only a certain amount of records that were pressed at the time. 
Um, you had to keep up with what the labels were doing and then their releases. And then I would assume that in your position and, and my, my previous experience going to go buy vinyl when I was younger, right? Like, you know, you want to be friends with guys like you because, of course, you would reserve the, the, the cool ass kick ass yeah, records on the of, side. Of course. I've always been like that. It's 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 so funny because it's it's I mean, in a record store, you have to know everything. Like, yeah, like I started off at Nightbeat. Then uh-huh. um, I started working at another record store. It was called In the Dark. Oh. And it was in Davie. And um, that's where I got to meet a lot of the radio DJ guys. Like I used to sell records to Laz, Felix Sama. Oh, my God. Um, Uncle Al, rest in peace, used yeah. to come see me because we had a <laughs> we had a huge selection of bootleg records that we were getting from New York. And like, I mean, come on, those are gangster uh, white label. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, these were like they were amazing records. And like um, I had I was just servicing like all these like radio guys. And it was uh, it was amazing. Like, Great like times. That. What do you think? Do you think that the generation of today that doesn't have to go to record stores uh, and, and go through that. I, I call it the sweat equity aspect because you really got to get in your car. You got to go and spend some time and, you know, get to know your music. Uh, you wouldn't, you know, you really wouldn't have an ad, unless you were listening to a mix show or radio show that would play, oh, this is the newest release or whatever. Uh, your only other uh, introduction to music like that would be at a record store, right? I feel, I mean, like now, like it's more like mix shows and stuff like that. Like, right. like this generation, like it's, I mean, like, for example, like me, like when I have people coming in to see me, like I already know their styles. So like I would have like a, like a certain amount of records pulled out for them, like yeah. according to their style that they like. And um, I, I, nobody does that anymore. Like you can't like, yeah, yeah. you go to Beatport on your own and mm-hmm. you have all the music in here, but you have to go through it on your own. Like, I feel like. Like people used to like like coming to a record store because you had that where like you could come in and see somebody and they already have records selected for you and you don't you don't have to go through that process of like going through all the bins and, and seeing what's out there. Like, yeah, yeah, that it makes it a, for a whole other different experience of really appreciating your music. And I, I guess it's just what what I'm coming from is the meaning aspect. It's meaning because it was meaningful to 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 get in and put that the sweat equity in to go and and seek out your music. And now it's just so accessible. Right. And so a lot of these artists that put that time in to create those songs and and producers create those songs. It's like they have such a short shelf life. Yeah. You know, it's um, and I I don't think it's fair for a lot of artists and producers who put that time in. I mean, it all depends, too. I mean, it's like, yeah, like shorts uh, the shelf life for certain tracks are like one to three months but i mean it all depends like i, I still like playing older stuff like yeah if, if i know that it's going to move the crowd like i'll play it like mm-hmm. especially if i'm playing longer sets like you can't just you can't play like new stuff for like five hours i mean you can but like, I, I don't <laughs> you kind of lose the crowd yeah right? you're gonna lose the crowd like you, you, you gotta give them a bone here and there yeah. <laughs> like to keep them on the dance floor you know for the success that you've been able to acquire in the past 20 years okay and you're still kicking ass thank you like seriously kicking ass people hear your name and they know to go see you they know that you're gonna you, they know they're gonna gather and, and uh, capture an experience with you what have you sacrificed for the success you have today yeah of course I mean that's that's just a given like uh, it's I mean yeah you, there's certain times where you're gonna get a gig and and there's gonna be you know times that 
you know, you're going to miss stuff. Like, you're, sometimes you're going to miss Mother's Day, Father's Day. Yeah. Maybe Weddings. even, like, well, uh, you <laughs> know, Christmas always lands around New Year's. So, like, uh, yeah. it's, I, I try not to book around Christmas because you're always going to get New Year's. So. Right. Um, but, yeah, there's times where, I mean, you're going to you're going to give up a lot of, like, you know, those moments where you have to take certain gigs and you can't turn them down. I mean, yeah. And with other artists and producers as yourself that, that I've interviewed, they, they said, you know, when you're under contract you have no choice but to have to go do, do those gigs because oh, yeah. people are spending money on tables. They're like, because it's focused around you, of you course. know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, and you got to complete the contract in the end. It's a job. Yeah. In the end, it's a job. Like you got to keep emotions and all that other bullshit to the side. Like you got, you're going in. It's, it's a passion filled position uh, to fill and, and to, and to complete fulfill. But at the end of the night, it's like, Sometimes you like to stay. I like staying all the time. Like, yeah, but I, th I think also like it's like you're your own boss too. So like, yeah, you can pick and choose when to take a vacation. Yeah, or like, like sometimes what I would do is like if I would be in a city for the first time that I'd never been to, like I'll stay a couple of extra days to like, you know, get the sights in and stuff like that. Like, what were some of the, the countries that you visited that you're like, wow, this was truly memorable, and it's because of your career that it brought you there. Peru was one of them. I mean, Peru's was, was really, really nice. Uh, the promoters that took me out there, like, um, they were able to show me everything. Like, I we would do the gig and then, like, you know, drive, you know, like an hour or two to, like, they would have these houses, like, on the beach and mm -hmm. just, like, like, you know, see different stuff. Um, mm -hmm. That, uh, I mean, Spain was awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, Germany was great, too. Um, really? Yeah. What did you like most about Germany? Because when you think of Germany, people have the the stereotype, right? Yeah, oh, it's just like really black and white. Oh, that's. I it. mean, it is, but no. like, it's it's it's. I uh, went to this. Uh, it was a rave in a beer factory. Get and out it was, of here! It was like an abandoned beer factory, and it was it was actually pretty cool. It was like in every warehouse that they had, it, it, they had like like five different uh, buildings, uh -huh. and in each building, like they had all this. Uh, uh, different type of music and it was it was really cool and like the first time I went to Berlin it was um I think it was like 2001 maybe okay and I also went to like this underground club where for the first time like I heard minimal music there and oh really like, nobody like even in the states were thinking about minimal at that time and huh. it was just like it was pretty interesting like mm -hmm. like to like hear like different stuff yeah. And like experience uh, different stuff. And to be part of that. I mean, how, how incredible it, is it? And and for a lot of our listeners, you know, uh, I want you to understand something like Edgar and what I've learned even more so. And I think him and I can agree on this is where we are truly introverts. We yeah. are, but we're paid extroverts, <laughs> <laughs> meaning that, you know, we're really reserved and private. And, and, and the experiences that we've encountered in this industry are are so many, but we, I don't know, at least I, for me, I can speak for myself, like places that I've been to and hosted and been part of, because I've been on, on tour too when I was younger and I was a singer in the industry right. before I even got started. So for me, it was just like, I get it. It's like, it's wonderful to see, but then you want to like go back to go back home. <laughs> and for you to be able to go out and experience these things and what did you take back from all of that? For you, as you went home, like, what was it for you that felt fulfilling on that? What did I take back? I mean, I, I feel like, like, when you go to different countries, like, you, um, it's, 
if I feel like I'm a bit more reserved because I don't you don't know what to expect because like mm -hmm. I'm so comfortable playing in the states that like it's like maybe what I play here in the states isn't gonna work like in another mm -hmm. country but you know it's it's that's what I like about DJ it's like it's like you gotta figure it out so like when you get there you start playing like mm -hmm. you just you gotta figure it out like what works and what doesn't work and right it's uh it's a guessing game every time. <laughs> So knowing that you've traveled the, the world and you've been, you know, you're still kicking ass. Let's talk about your introduction into Party 93.1. Okay. Because that's where you and I created our relationship. Yes. Fucking A, man. How did you get involved in Party? How did I get involved in Party? Yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly <laughs> uh -huh. how I got involved. I just, I think I was approached to do a mix show. That's, that's how I, I got in. Okay. And um, I started doing, uh, my mix show was called Nocturnal Sessions. Yes. And um, at first I was a bit skeptical about it because it was like, I think it was, uh, they wanted me to play from three to five in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, eh, well, you know, who's going to be listening to at three or five in the morning? But <laughs> little did like, you know. <laughs> yeah, little did I know. Like it actually worked out because yeah. when, I, when I was doing the show, I was getting a lot of emails from Europe. Oh. And people that were actually listening to the station on the web. Wow. And like I was getting a lot of compliments for, for the stuff I was playing because, yeah, like here it was three to five in the morning and I, I felt mm -hmm. like I was playing to everybody I was leaving to the clubs. But in an, on the other side of the world, like it was daytime already for other people and like they were actually enjoying it. So, um, yeah. It, it was a great experience. I totally remember that. that and it was. I know when I was going to space, I was listening for sure. You, you were my you were my soundtrack as I got lost in the abyss. Um, so you got approached. You started creating the show. What happens next at party? Um, we started doing uh, the show got traction and we started doing live remotes at certain places. Uh, right. There was a, a restaurant in Hollywood. It was called uh, Mamma Mia. Right. And we started doing a Monday night there. Right. Where you were hosting mm -hmm. and um but before I, I think it was even before you got there i was already playing there yeah. and then and then we added yeah the, that's right then we added the, the live broadcast correct and, and it was amazing like for the time <laughs> that it went on like how awesome that was such a memorable time yeah it was mama mia was uh located uh for those that are not familiar with the south florida area it's located in hollywood florida young circle young circle holy shit okay <laughs> <laughs> it's my tequila talking um but yeah that it, it was like it, uh, i mean and the food was amazing yeah like oh how good it was. like you would want to go early to go eat of course and then we start the broadcast but that's true like it um it, a lot a lot of a lot kicked off i mean marcus schultz kicked off from party 93 when you kicked off from party. i mean literally like catapulted like rocket launched out into the, the stratosphere of dance music and excelled, I mean, at such a rapid pace. And we were talking about how you were known as the trance DJ, but you're not. You're like, my first love was freestyle. My first love was house music. On the clubs I did, that's, I started off as a house DJ. Uh -huh. Actually, my first club where I was like really a resident was called KGB. And mm. um, I believe it was on 7th in Washington. Mm. And, um, in South Beach. Yeah. yeah. And I started... Uh, I was playing hip hop and house there. Oh my, really? Yeah. And then um, I got the opportunity to mm. play at Shadow Lounge on a Saturday nights. Yeah. 
and that's where I transitioned just to fully house music. And from there, um, it just started going up. And at Shadow Lounge is really where I had the turning point where George Acosta was was a resident there, and he was defining the trance sound here in Miami. And um, it's pretty much there weren't a lot of trance DJs on on a on a club level that were playing a lot of man. So right. I figured it was an opportunity to take to. And and I and I like the music as well at the same yeah. time. So it was uh it was really good. And yes. then things started popping up from there. You had the mix after hours with David Padilla, yeah. rest in peace. Oh yeah. And um and then from there it went to space where it's how was that moment for you? Uh, so you played on the because the original space when it first started, I remember it had like remember the CDs hanging from the ceiling yeah. with the with the fish uh, string. <laughs> that was so ghetto. <laughs> Louis Puig, man. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I remember that, and that was like, but that's where you went to get get into the music and get lost in it. Yeah, I mean, space was an amazing journey. I mean, it's imagine like. At the time that I started playing, who would have thought that I was going to be playing like eleven-hour sets? Like, That's it was uh, it was a tough task task to take, but at the same time, like it helped me out to like tell a story. So like, mm-hmm. I could start off with like progressive music, build up into trance, go back into progressive, and then go into house to like at the end of the night uh-huh. to to uh, get the people ready, whoever was left in the in the main room, to go out to the patio and listen to Ivana. Yeah, so like. It, it was a, it was an incredible journey. Like it's just to be part of uh, to be part of that is that's history making. It's legendary, of course. Um, and not many people can make that claim. We'll have more on Edgar V after the break. Stay with us. You're listening to the Mastermind of a DJ podcast with Naughty Natalia. We'll be right back. After this, EDM, nightlife, pleasure, repeats. Only minutes from the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in downtown Fort Lauderdale at 3050 Burris Road in Davie, Florida. Rated Best Adult Cabaret for 2022 by Miami New Times Magazine, Vixen's Cabaret has transformed your EDM adult entertainment nightclub experiences by booking some of the biggest names in the EDM industry, like Marcus Schultz, Paul Oakenfold, Scotty Boy, Lavelle Dupree, Disco Pretty, and more. It's Nadi Natalia, and you'll find more than just eye candy because when you walk in, you gotta look up as the sexy circus will mesmerize you with their jaw-dropping live aerial acrobatic entertainment. And when you look down, get heated by the live fire shows, stilt walkers, contortionists, and more. This weekend, stay in Broward County to not only be part of Vixen's Cabaret seven-year anniversary party, but you'll get your EDM fix with special guest Club Killers DJs DeVille and Smash. Then on Sunday, July 3rd is the pre-Independence Day Bash with DJ Laz. VIP tables are almost gone, so make sure you get yours now at VixensCabaret.com. Welcome back to the Mastermind of a DJ podcast with your host, Naughty Natalia. How was that moment for you the first night at space? Do you remember that feeling? The first night at space? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was... It was scary because it's it was still like a, like a learning process and at the time um, the first the first night I did we I think we closed like at five it was a Friday mm-hmm. night 
Okay. And um, we're still having some sound issues because we're getting feedback through some of the turntables and stuff. And but at the same time, I, it was amazing, like just to actually like be able to have my own residency and play for the first time trance music like that. Like it was, uh, it was. Edgar, incredible. you're you're so. I mean, you still are. You still kick ass. Thank like you. I. I like not for nothing, but I, I want to be like selfish and be like, can you play a trans set for me just for like, you know, <laughs> because you're but the way how you transitioned in and out of trance and, and you really you captured so many beautiful moments in, in that. Well, the thing is, because you had in trance, you had all these at that time, you had all these like different stuff where like you have your UK trance, which was totally different. You had your Dutch trance, which was mm-hmm. totally different. The German trance. German trance is, is what I really love, like Tala and Tasha. Like uh-huh. those are like guys that, that I've always looked up to, like mm. for the music and for the UK stuff. It was always Paul Oakenfold. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. This stuff was always amazing. Like, and now here you are on, on a show that I interviewed Paul Oakenfold yeah. on. <laughs> I'm going to send him this bit right here. I will. What does DJing mean for you? What What does it give you? Oh, it gives me happiness. Like I, I, every time I get behind the decks, I, I want to make people dance and make people enjoy themselves. I don't want to like just be a robot, play certain music, and who cares if they dance or not? Like that's not me. Like mm-hmm. I'm not programmed to do that. Have you ever had nights where? You know, you rep- because we talk about uh, preparation and music, and which is su- super, super important to, to be prepared. Obviously, for me, it took me like three days for like a one hour fucking set. For right. you, you're like, oh, you know, obviously, because hands down, I mean, hello, you're like the master on all of this stuff. Three days is short. I it's just- you, like, for me, for me, it takes almost a week, like, even for like an hour set, like, all over prepare, like. They'll be like, oh, you're only playing an hour. All right. I have three hours of music. Like, <laughs> let's see it. Let's see what happens. Exactly. So the lesson here is being overprepared allows you more flexibility. Of course. And capability to to be able to maneuver the crowd if you feel that you lose them. Yeah, of course. What if you had uh, an opportunity to be able to just like so you solely went to the location to play the music that you're like, I want it 100 percent. Like, you don't have to throw a bone to anybody. They are there to hear all new music. Do you think that's something that, and, and you and I were talking about that, and I do want to touch on that. Do you think that would work? I mean, it does. Like, I've seen it. I mean, okay. I, I've, I've seen DJs that do that where people are there for the music. But it, it, it like I said, it, it, it all depends on the venue. It all depends on where they're going. Like, yeah. It's, it's okay. not a, it's very rare, though. It's, mm. it's not it's very rare to find spots like that. Was there ever a time that you wanted to quit music? Not really. I mean, really? even I mean, even when there's times are tough, like you just you just gotta roll with it. Like uh, music is like a passion to me, so it's like it's not like I I have to make it work. Like, it's part of your DNA. Correct. Yeah. It's not like I can't I can't see myself at a regular nine to five. Like yeah. Uh, like trying to be like all right, I I can't do music. Like let me go to you know corporate life. Like uh, it's not me. That's just not you. Yeah. yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> Now, with what you've been able to accomplish in in your career, do you invest in any other businesses, though? Like, do you look at other businesses and, and are like, you have a side hustle going on or what, what do you? What, yeah, I'm curious. Like, do you like stocks? Do you like crypto? Are you like? I mean, some- I've dabbled in crypto right now. Um, uh-huh. it's, I don't I don't really have a side business going on. I mean, OK, I've done that. Um, I guess I have. a. I mean. 
Maybe I play poker on the side as a side <laughs> hustle for a little bit. But. <laughs> you know what I think? I think we should do. I'm glad that you said it because that's where I was leading is I think we should do a poker night. That would be fun. How fun would that be, right? Of course. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> play poker with Edgar V. Ah! Okay, that's on record. So <laughs> if you could talk to your 18 year old self now. Oh, my gosh. What would you say? <laughs> These are good questions. <laughs> they are good questions. <laughs> what would you say to your 18-year-old self? My 18-year-old self? Um, uh, get into production. <laughs> At an early age. Start producing the volume of music and catalog now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. At 18, 18's a tough year, though. Like, you're just getting out of high school. Like, you don't really know who you are at at 18, you still explore yourself. So I don't, I don't know, just have fun, you know, have right. fun in whatever you do. I mean. What's the genre of music that uh, Edgar V can be recognized as? Um, see, that's the thing. I don't like with Beatport having so many labels and like subgenres and all that. Like, I, I hate sticking to one style. Like, okay. I, but what I do like playing mostly as of late, like, is I mean, I do play house and tech house. Yeah. And I'm. And I very much love uh, like uh, melodic house and melodic techno. Oh yeah! Because it it brings back the feels of the trance music. Um, not at the higher BPM that they were before. But <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, holy shit! <laughs> but oh um, uh, it's it's a really good vibe right now. Yeah, you got you got some good stuff. I remember. No, this was I think over almost a year ago. Almost a year ago when I saw you at Dare. And you were performing at Dare the day. Oh my God, dude! I don't. Who was I? Who was I there? You were there. Um, shit, MK. You were oh, before MK. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Dude, you. Oh my God, so vicious and delicious. And then some of the live streams that I've saw, I've seen of your sets, and then of course at the most recent EDC in Orlando. Well, from my experience from you on the Corona Beach stage, right. Holy shit, bro. You brought the fire. Thank you. And I'm like, oh my God, that's Edgar. He's so good. That genre, like, and you can expand. Well, that's the great thing about being so seasoned is that you know, uh, uh, you understand how to read the crowd. How do you, how can you tell someone who's exploring being a DJ and how to, how to develop that uh, relationship with people when you don't even talk to them? I mean, you got to figure it out for yourself. Like, it's, it's just... How do you know that? It's, like, it's more the, the more you play, it's the more experience you gain. I mean, it's you can't you, you can't just like one in one gig you're gonna figure it all out. Like mm -hmm. you're just like I said, like like I feel like it's it's like putting puzzle pieces together. So like you're you're playing you know your certain style of music, and you gotta see what works. So. The conversation continues with our friend Edgar V after the break. Stay with us. You're listening to the Mastermind of a DJ podcast with Naughty, Naughty Natalia. Natalia. We'll be right back after this. So you're in South Florida and in a week you probably have a huge event to attend and you just want to look fly. The only problem is the pasty look on your skin doesn't match the fact that you live in the sunshine state. Isn't that funny that we live so close to the beaches, yet we hardly visit the beach because we don't have any time? Well, you can do what I do when I need an express glow. I hit up a local Boca tanning location to get my tanning on. 
They're the leader in UV and sunless tanning in the South Florida area for 20 years and are a proud partner of the Miami Dolphins cheerleaders. And you better believe that these ladies need to be performance ready when they're on the field. So since you're a listener of the Mastermind of a DJ podcast, let me offer you a solution to your pasty skin problems with a free week of tanning at any of their participating locations. Just log on to our site at mmofadj.com. Click on the Boca Tanning link in our alliances page, or you can call them at 855-BOCA-TAN and mention the code MMOFADJ10 to grab your one week of free tanning hookup. That's DJ 10 and schedule your free week of tanning today at Boca Tanning Club. Welcome back to the Mastermind of a DJ podcast with your host, Naughty Natalia. It's what type of formula works where you want to be playing instrumental tracks, want to drop a vocal track and, like, yeah. and stuff like that. Like, so I like, get the crowd moving. I mean, you know, as a, as a DJ, you want to explore. You want to be able to go there and you're like, fuck, if I fail my crowd with the one, all it takes is one song. You can have an incredible hour and then that one song does it all, you know. Yeah, but that's like, that's, it comes back to like where I said before, like, yeah, okay, you get that one song where you're like, okay, you kind of clear the crowd, but you got to know how to bring them back though, uh-huh. like, at that moment. It's, so it's really being connected, right? It is, like, but you you can't panic at that moment where you like, you figure like, oh, they scatter. Like, oh, what happens now? Like, <laughs> you can't, that's, that's where like, you know, the experience comes where, okay, like, all right, I'm reserved. Well, let's see how we're going to bring them back now. Like, and you got, you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared for, I, I guess it's um, understanding how to deal with uh, rejection from people. Of course. Obviously. Yeah. Cause, and that builds the, the thick skin in you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you have to be prepared for that. And uh, I guess a lot of people don't know how to cope with rejection, uh, I, at least with this new generation of DJs, to, to understand, hey, you're going to clear floors sometimes and you have to understand how it to It happens. Like, it's happened to me. Like, it happens to everybody. So it's okay. it's, 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 it's a natural thing. It's a norm, right? So when somebody rejects you in real life, like something yeah. like, okay, you go to a job, you're trying to get in. They're like, no, you can't. You're not good for this job. And it's a rejection. Like, yeah. It's like anything. Like. You just got to get up, dust it off, and keep You just have to know how to, like, yeah, get up and dust it off and try to get them back. Yeah. I love that. See, I love hearing this. Look how inspirational you are right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Do you enjoy producing music more than DJing? No. Really? Really. I, I, I mean, I've always been a DJ. That's my thing. And, like, I'm probably, like, one of the last... Like DJs in those in that generation where production doesn't go hand in hand with DJing, I oh. how it is now. Okay, so, yeah. But I, I I see how it has to work now. So like, you have to have production hand in hand with DJ now. Like it wasn't like back in the days where I would just show up at music and play and yeah, and then yeah. you know, at that time when I when I was uh, DJing, not a lot of uh, big producers were DJs. Yeah, they, they were just they would produce great music, right. but they weren't DJs. Right. But now, like, everything's turned since, like, um, with the whole digital age and the whole streaming service and all that, and, like, everybody not making the money that they were, like, back in the day. So, what do you think changed? What What just, do you think that, that changed was? Like, the whole streaming service, I guess, and digital and people not getting paid. Like, yeah. Like, all the labor, like, back in the days, like, I, I hear stories from my friends where they were getting, you know, let's say 30 to 40,000 for a remix. You're not. You're not yeah. seeing that now. No. Like, yeah. 
And then when they uh, when they stream their songs on a streaming service, what are you getting paid? You know, it's Nothing. Like, it's pennies. <laughs> it's pennies. Pennies. Yeah. And it's that's why like the whole DJ producer things goes hand in hand now. It's uh, I mean, I get it. Like I have to like you know I've been doing it and I have to start doing it more though. Where as we spoke about earlier, like earlier before uh, we started recording that. Yeah. Um, you know, now's the time where I have to just uh, start pumping out more music, which yeah. which is coming soon. So yeah, but your but your heart is always in in being the DJ, of course, in, in being that the channeler, of course, right? But it it, mm-hmm. it also comes from like for me, like it was like from the record store, like yeah, it, when I was working at Grooveman Music, which was Georgia Costa's <laughs> record store, um, I I had access to all the music, so like that's what I like to do, like I, I they were. I was used. I was used as a salesman, let's say. So, <laughs> whatever I was playing on on Friday nights in space, yeah. like the next, you know, the uh, the next day, the records were coming. Like Wednesday, we used to our, our record day was Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, people were coming in on Wednesday, going, "Hey, what was this record you played? What was that record you played?" Wow. And I, I, I was always an open book. Like certain DJs, like always were closed books about like what they played. But like, you know, like I was always an open book. Like yeah. I wanted that. Like I wanted to sell records. Yeah. So I'll be like, hey, here, this is what this is what I played. This is what I played. Like, you were you were like, a record dealer. Yeah, pretty much. That's what it was. Like, you want yeah. that mix, bro? It's gonna cost you. <laughs> awesome. I get it. I get it. Um, what DJs do you look forward to hearing live? Uh, there's, there's see now. There's so many of them. Like it's, I try to listen to people that like I don't. I rarely like play their stuff. So. Uh-huh. There's one DJ right now that I I, I like listening to play is uh, Anna. Anna. Yes, she's a Brazilian. Uh, she's she's a Brazilian DJ, but she's based out of uh, Barcelona. Really? Yeah, and she plays really good techno, and like it's very groovy, and like it's it's really good. Um, like her, um, Carl Cox, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. Art Bat, um, Cosmic Gate. Yeah. You've seen, I've never seen Cosmic Gate before. You have? Who? Uh, Cosmic Gate. Cosmic? You've yeah. never seen them? No. Oh, they're so amazing. I know. I've heard there's, there's streams and stuff. I just never had a chance they're, to see them live. They're really good. Um, yeah? I mean, I've, I've known them for over 20 years. Like, they're they're really good friends. Well, they need to come on the show. <laughs> yeah. I'll hook it up. <laughs> I would love it. Uh, uh, but, one, of, one of them lives here. Really? Wow. That would be fantastic. <laughs> so, what, so, so what DJ blew you away? Uh, that you heard live like blew me away yeah because I know that you played like you've listened you've, you've played with all the big fucking names Edgar I mean not for nothing but goddamn, like your <laughs> your uh, discography of uh, and throughout your career of, of where you've spun and what you've done with Paul Oakenfold Paul Van Dyke all of the greats who blew you away the most I mean I I, I think coming up like it was always for me like it was always like 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 you said like Paul Oakenfold like yeah. I always loved the way he built his sets um, Paul Van Dyke was was a master at like building sets too um, but it comes from a time like these guys like they played long sets yeah. so like that's what I've always loved about like their styles like it's not like like the DJs now that mm-hmm. they'll play like 90 minute sets and that's it and like you can't really tell a story in 90 minutes like mm. I, I don't uh, what do you think it takes? Let's talk about the 90 minutes for a second, because uh, I think it's due to short term memory of today. Yeah. <laughs> um, but those really feeling the music and understanding the art of the DJ. I mean, there's such there's such a buildup 
every song has such a specific meaning and purpose. And as you're going through that, it's like a, a painter. You can't expect a, a painter to just paint something in two minutes. That's, or, what, I, that's, that, yeah. that's what I've always referred DJing to is like, it's like painting. Okay. It's like you have a canvas and you start off, but it's like you said, like you can't just throw stuff on it and just be yeah. like, I mean, you can, it could be abstract, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just throw stuff on there like, hey, all right, this is my art. Like, <laughs> but um, it's... Yeah. Like, like I don't, I don't. I mean, there is sort of an art to the ninety minutes because you got to compress everything in there and you got to keep them engaged. Like, yeah. Like, to what it is, but for me, it's easier to program a hour and a half set than it would be like a five six hour set. Like that takes a lot longer. That's true. I think I think I have, I think I have my final question for you. Oh. This is a big question. Okay. What's the impact you want to make in the world? The with impact you, I'm gonna, I want to make in the world. With what you do. I mean, it's. I feel like like when they hear my music that they just want to dance and and enjoy it. Like uh, I feel like like when I DJ, like that's that's what I want people to get out of like a night. Like that they feel satisfied and want to come back and like hey, like this DJ made me feel good. Like recently, like when I was in Washington, like randomly, uh, some girl hit me up on uh, on Instagram and says. This was my first time hearing a DJ play live, and I thought you were good. Like, it's, yeah. like she enjoyed herself, yeah. and like, like stuff like that. Like, it, it is is what I like doing and making people feel like I want them to enjoy themselves. Well, that completes episode number 30 of the Mastermind of a DJ podcast. I want to thank Edgar V for joining me for lunch and sharing more about his life with us. It was a great story and a great time. And a special thanks to Johnny Adler for accommodating us at Rivertail in Fort Lauderdale, a super yummy place to go, by the way. Now, to find out more about Edgar V and to grab his social media, check out the artist page online now at mmofadj.com and click to check it out. And one while online, make sure you click the Vixens Cabaret link where you can get more info on this weekend's lineup for their seven-year anniversary party with special guests DJs DeVille and Smash of the Club Killers. And as well, grab more details on the pre-Independence Day bash on July 3rd with DJ Laz. I'm your host, Natalia, and thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Don't forget to rate this podcast on whatever podcast platforms you guys are all listening on. It would be greatly appreciated. Plus, your comments and feedback help keep me on track to make this program better and better for you. So don't be shy. Drop me a message now at mmofadj.com. Thank you for listening to the Mastermind of a DJ podcast with Naughty Natalia. Follow us on our social media handles at Mastermind of a DJ or log online at mmofadj.com. Get into the minds of 